You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. I am so happy today that our guest on Preaching Source is not only one of the most well-known Southern Baptists, but he's also been a dear, sweet friend of mine for over 30 years. Uh, Our guest today on Preaching Source is Dr. Jimmy Draper, uh, who served 35 years as a pastor and 15 years as president of Lifeway Christian Resources. Uh, Dr. Draper is also a past president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Convention. He served two years from 1982 to 1984. Uh, he's now, uh, they say he's retired, but I don't believe it, Jimmy. Uh, I see you all over everywhere, uh, speaking and, and at meetings and, and still uh, helping Southern Baptists where, wherever they are. Well, I, I'm still going about 100, 150 sermons a year. So uh, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, st- I'm staying busy. And uh, we, uh, uh, I, retirement doesn't mean quit. It just means change gears. There you so go. that's what we're trying to do. Well, Dr. Draper, we are delighted to have you as our guest on Preaching Source today. Let's start by asking uh, about uh, your presidency of the Southern Baptist Convention back in the early 1980s. You were a strong advocate for biblical inerrancy and biblical authority. Uh, in fact, that, that was the core of what the conservative resurgence in the Southern Baptist Convention was about. Uh, how do you think that movement to restore the inerrancy and authority and sufficiency of Scripture, how do you think that uh, has affected the rise of expository preaching? Well, I really believe it's, it's had a major impact on it. Uh, in fact, in 84, the book I did in 84 was on authority, the critical issue for Southern Baptists. And uh, uh, we actually, uh, I raised money and, and mailed that uh, to every pastor in Southern Baptist Convention, focusing on the inerrancy and uh, insufficiency of Scripture. Uh, back then, uh, my father, for instance, was a pastor and was a, was a wonderful preacher. But he's what I would call a, a topical biblical uh, he always was very biblical, uh, but it was rarely ex- expositional. And, uh, uh, and I think that was pretty characteristic of, of much of the preaching uh, in the early, mid, in the mid-1900s and on up into the 70s. And, and so we did have some, some men like Homer Lindsay in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, who just went verse for verse. Uh, that was a rarity, though. And, of course, uh, text-driven expository preaching can be defined several ways. I mean, it can be defined as going verse by verse, or it can be defined simply as taking a passage, and the sermon is built entirely out of that passage with the points coming out of the passage, and both are legitimate. But the verse-by-verse type exposition uh, was not common back when I was a young pastor. I didn't do it at first. Uh, I was I'd been pastoring a long time and really didn't start doing verse by verse exposition, even though I was taught that in seminary. That's what Dr. Northcutt and and uh, Dr. Kleiner, that's what they taught us to do. But uh, when I went to First Church Dallas and was preaching with Dr. Crystal sitting in my elbow uh, for over two years, uh, I said, I told Carolyn, I'm going to have to start preaching expository messages if I'm going to make it here, you know. So uh, that's when I really went that way. And uh, But I do think that the, that the focus on the Scripture during the conservative resurgence has been a strong encouragement, and now it is very common. I mean, I go, nearly every church I go to was down in... Um, 
a little church out in Granbury here a couple of weeks ago, pastors, a verse by verse expositor. And so I think that uh, I think that because for us, the emphasis was on Scripture. And if, if you if you get a right view of Scripture, then uh, I believe you'll you will be more biblically centered in your preaching. So I do think it had a lot to do with it. Jimmy, what what do you see as the critical issues facing uh Southern Baptist churches uh, in in contemporary society, and and how do you think uh, expository preaching addresses the the needs of the day? Well, you know, there there are a lot of the contemporary churches are uh, dealing with what they call felt needs, and they try to discover needs of the congregation. And uh, for instance, I just believe for preaching. If you wanted to address every problem your your church had ever faced, just preach through First Corinthians. Uh, it's all there, and uh, you'll, you'll encounter every kind of, of, you know, there's no new sin. And, uh, and so I think that the, the issues that are facing us uh, are, are very simple when you look at it from a biblical context. Now, that doesn't mean that they're culturally correct. And the modern uh, definition of marriage and of sexuality, uh, for instance, is, very, is, is not a difficult biblical issue. But it's an almost impossible cultural issue, and uh, so the church is going to have to uh, is, 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 is going to have to decide whether they're going to be biblical or whether they're going to be politically correct. And unfortunately, many churches are becoming uh, compromising at that point. Uh, and it's 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 really those are really churches that did not have a high view of scripture to start with. If you have a high view of scripture. Uh, uh, Carol Ann and I this next Sunday are going to attend a church that recently voted to accept homosexualities in leadership uh, and deacons and Sunday school teachers in their church because our great niece is being baptized there on Sunday. And so we're going to go over there to support her and to. Uh, uh, but uh, that is a church that for years has not had a high view of Scripture and been more socially, politically correct. And I think that's. Those are the churches that are going to move away from, from biblical. Uh, now, the other side of it is that if you preach what the Bible teaches, you're probably going to end up in jail because our culture uh, is moving toward uh, uh, the loss of, of absolutes. Uh, nothing is ever absolute. Uh, you, you know, if, if you think you're a woman, well, then, then you ought to use the men, uh, women's restroom or vice versa. Uh, the Bible will never will never say that's right. So churches are going to have some decisions to make. There are going to be a lot of consequences to pay. Not only the penalties a, a pastor may face, but a church could lose its tax exemption, which, by the way, I don't think would be a bad thing. Uh, but how that played out, if, if you if if it became uh, tax you know taxable, then exactly what kind of tax would it be on income or net profit or whatever it would be? It would be a difficult uh, thing to know. But I think that uh, really, biblically, life is not complicated, uh, but culturally, it's very complicated. And the and the the issues the church is facing are going to be things that are, are biblically clear, but you try to explain in a way in order to uh, be politically correct. I think that's the biggest challenge, and uh, it's a very real challenge. Jimmy, we uh, we were just talking about uh, contemporary challenges that pastors face. Uh, you've been a pastor for a long time. Uh, you uh, Before Lifeway, you uh, uh, pastored a 
churches for 35 years. Uh, thinking back to the first part of your ministry, what, what are some of the challenges that you faced early in your ministry? What, what do you think a, a pastor wrestles with early in his, in his ministry? And, and how, does, how does preaching play into addressing those challenges? Well, interesting enough, I think the biggest challenge that I faced in my early churches were uh, related to study time. Uh, nobody believes a pastor needs time to study. And when you're pastoring a little open country church, or, or I was in an open country church, my first church, second church was a town of 365 people. I buried 21 of them uh, in two years. Uh, but to, to, to say I, I, I want the mornings to, so I can have, have time to prepare and to be with God and have a word, when I, you know, to, to say no to people who, who wanted to uh, absorb your time was, was probably the biggest challenge I had. Interestingly, I never had anybody who confronted me and demanded that I preach something different than what I was preaching. I, I do know pastors who've been, uh, who've been accosted because of the of their subject title, and you could probably give testimony to that yourself, uh, that people said, you can't preach what you've been preaching. Uh, but uh, I never I never did have that. So, uh, you know, preaching, uh, I, maybe I was too dumb to know it, but I just preached what I felt like God wanted me to preach. And uh, I mean, for instance, now this is, this is crazy, but uh, I preached about John Kennedy being a Catholic, uh, in the election in 1960 or, or so when he was elected. And uh, our little Democratic town went Republican for the first time <laughs> in, in its history, I think, down southwest of here. Uh, you know, so I, I mean, I just, I never felt any restraint, any pushback. Uh, but I did feel uh, just a strong uh, compulsion to be biblically correct. And so I, 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 I can't, say I had static on what I preached, but finding time, uh, the uh, establishing uh, disciplined uh, study time, and uh, I'm easily distracted. In fact, I really work better with distractions rather than studying four hours at a time. I, can, I don't mind interruptions every 15 or 20 minutes, uh, as long as it's not too long. And uh, so I, that, many guys don't, couldn't do that, but I, I enjoyed uh, distractions, but uh, uh, controlling those uh, distractions were, were really, really challenging. I was an early morning person. I slept about five, six hours a night. I was up, I was in the office always by six o'clock. Even when I was at Lifeway, I'd, I'd be in at six. I could get more work done between six and nine than I could between nine and five. So I think prioritizing your time and, and, and managing it rather than being managed by your time is probably the biggest thing that I faced as a, uh, as a young preacher. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, every church I served, I loved, hated to leave. And uh, God's given me a great ability to uh, leave when I leave. So when I leave, I'm gone. I don't try to go back and... and, and uh, uh, have influence in the church. Or when I left Lifeway, I told the uh, uh, new president, I said, my job is to give you a healthy organization. Get out of your way. Leave you alone, which is what I've done. Uh, so uh, it, it, uh, there will always be challenges. But I think for young preachers, the, the two biggest challenges are time management and building relationships, which is, a, is still all the way till you die. The most important thing a minister does is building relationships. Wow. Jimmy, you, you, for 15 years, led uh, Southern Baptist publishing arm. 
uh, Lifeway, and you yourself have written uh, 25 books. Why do you think it's important for pastors to to write and publish books? Well, uh, the the obvious answer is the books will live longer than you will. I mean, uh, you, you can only preach so many sermons. I, I've, I've, uh, I'm, I'm coming up on about 10,500, 600 sermons that I've preached uh, in the last 65 years. Uh, but when I'm gone, uh, you know, mo- most of mine are on cassette tapes. <laughs> you know? So they're going to be forgotten. Even my kids won't listen to my sermons. So if you want, if you want the things that God has given to you and allowed you to, to put into practice and to uh, the impact it made on churches and people's lives, then you need to write. Now, and writing is hard. It is a hard discipline for me. Most of my books started out as sermons or Bible studies, and then I've edited them and, and, and made them into a book. Uh, one or two exceptions, this last book I did on uh, Don't Quit Before You Finish is uh, one that I just uh, uh, had been, uh, I'd been make I'd been preparing things that I present to pastors, and I, uh, when I'd been a pastor for 50 years, or preacher for 50 years, I thought, well, you know, I ought to learn something. So I sat down, and I had 21 things that I said, these things I've learned, well, there are about 75 of them now, and uh, that's about how many I've got in, in that book. But I, I literally spent about six hours a day for three months and just, just did it. Uh, so uh, it was good, to, you know, it was good discipline to do, but writing's hard. Now, some people, I asked Ken Hemphill, who used to be president here at Southwestern, I said, Ken, how do you write so much? He's, you know, he, he's an avid golfer and was an all-conference linebacker for Wake Forest when he was in college and uh, just a super guy. And he said, I write four pages a day. And he said, if you write four pages a day, you can write a book in three months. And so that, that's, that's his discipline. He disciplined himself. He's done some great stuff. He has some wonderful material. Uh, but it's a discipline. So uh, it's important. I, I think there are two reasons. One, a pastor needs discipline. He needs to be able to, to discipline himself to do what's important. Writing will help him do that. And the other is that it'll, it'll, it will live longer than he will and, and will still impact. I ordered, I ordered a book. Uh, in fact, I ordered two books of G. Campbell Morgan's this week. Uh, from a, a secondhand book source, and uh, and and he preached in the 1800s, into the early 1900s. Uh, if he hadn't done that, it, everything that he's blessed the world with would have been lost. So I think it's important uh, to write. Mm-hmm. You mentioned "Don't Quit Before You Finish," uh, your latest book. What what advice? Would you give to preachers in in their later years in ministry? Well, well, the 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 important thing I'd say to those in later years: never too late to start. You know, if you feel like you haven't done what you ought to do, or get your life in order and your ministry in order, and then keep on and and don't 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 quit. Uh, but the I, the book has has four sections, and and it, the first one deals with the call. I call it "You Can't Go If You're Not Sent." And, uh, you know, every preacher ought to live with a sense of uh, urgency and compulsion. God called me to do this. And I, I went back, and I, I probably have 40 or 50 guys, many of them well-known uh, even today, who, uh, and all the way back to George Whitfield and others, uh, how they quoted uh, and, and what they said about their call from God. So we, we talk about the call, and then I talk about servant leadership, which I believe is the description of pastoral leadership. Uh, and uh, and then then the third section is on dealing with change, which is inevitable. You know, uh, change is not optional; it's inevitable. 
If you don't believe that, look in the mirror and then look at your high school graduation pictures. You know, I mean, so a change is going to happen. And then the last section is just a reminder, hey, this is God's ministry. It's not my ministry. It's God's ministry. And so uh, to, to, to men who are along the way, uh, I would uh, encourage them, you know, focus on the things that will, that will last. And uh, uh, if I had one word to describe a minister's job, it's, it's relationships. You have to build relationships, find ways to connect to people. I wrote personal birthday notes to 1,500, 2,000 employees at Lifeway for 15 years. Uh, uh, when I was a pastor until the churches got up over 2,000, I wrote birthday notes to every member and their, their families. I wrote, wrote visitors on Sunday notes, uh, handwritten notes, and thanked them for coming rather than sending them a dear, dear friend, uh, you know, form letter. Uh, you just got to find ways to connect to people. And so that's, that's the secret. So it, wherever a guy is, he just say, I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to commit to to building a relationship with, with somebody and particularly people disagree with you. I mean, win them over. Don't don't assume they're an enemy. Build a relationship with them. I've always, I always, I'll put it this way. I'm a nice guy. If you really knew me, you'd like me. And so, and so I think, you know, get, get out there and, and, and tie your heart to people. Um, many pastors want to be, Maybe CEO types, they want to be the, the my way or the highway uh, kind of pastor. Uh, and and but what, what most of us don't realize is the average church member never sees us except when we're in the pulpit. And, and the, the way to enrich your pulpit ministry is to build relationships with people who are going to hear you. And so I, I would just figure a way to, I'd start with my deacons, my Sunday school teachers, and I, I'd, I'd get and take them to coffee or had lunches or dinners and, and just build a relationship with them, write notes to them. Uh, along the way, you'll make some great friends. Some of my dearest friends are, are deacons that I've served with over the years. And I mean, uh, it's just, just amazing uh, the friendships that God let us develop. So build relationships. I think that's the most important thing along the way. And, uh, and stay at it and don't quit till you finish. Now, I've, I've, I'm intrigued by the, the way you've combined preaching and relationships. I've, I've, I've thought of those as two important tasks, but you, you've married those two important tasks. You, you said build relationships with the people who are going to hear you, and that, that, that may be the most valuable piece of advice <laughs> I've heard in a long time. Uh, you know, in, in classical rhetoric, we talk about the ethos of the speaker, the appeal that comes from the speaker's character. And, and essentially, you've just given every pastor listening to this the, the best way to build his own ethos as a speaker, uh, build relationships with the people who are going to hear you. Yeah, it, it's, uh, the, and to do that, you need to be the same in the pulpit you are everywhere else. I mean, I've known preachers that talk like I talk, and then they get in the pulpit, and it's God said this and that, and they've got a pimple. No, no, just be yourself. The greatest compliment I feel like I've ever had, and God's given me quite a few over the years, and mostly I deserve, but my kids, they said, Dad's always the same, whether he's in the pulpit or at home. And, uh, you know, be yourself, but, but if you're building a relationship with these people, they see a side of you nobody else sees. And so it's important. The, the relationships are important. And, and you build relationships at points of crisis. Every wedding, every funeral, every birth, every accident or illness, every success, all of these things are points of connection. And, and if, you, if you're paying attention, 
you find in, in every church there are people who go through deaths of their parents or their kids, uh, weddings, uh, they, uh, football players that went score touchdowns and cheerleaders that win honors, and, and, and find a way just to congratulate them for what they do. Connect with them. Say, I'm so proud of you. I'm praying for you. Oh, by the way, love being your pastor. Uh, if I can help you, just call me. Uh, I, I wrote for years, uh, for, through all my ministry, every time I left town, I wrote postcards to prospects. And I'd say, hey, I'm going to be gone next Sunday, and so-and-so is going to preach. Great preacher, don't miss hearing him. And I'm praying that you'll make next Sunday the time when you trust Christ, join our church, whatever. And, uh, I mean, I did that from all over the world. Uh, I, uh, I've had people come down the aisle holding the car. You wrote me from, from uh, uh, Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, 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 you know, and, and so you just got to find ways to, to let people sense who you are and build relationships with them. Uh, listen, Barry, most of us are not good enough to do it any other way. There are some who are so outstanding in the pulpit that they can carry their ministry on the strength of their messages. But they are very, very rare, very rare. And I'm not one of them. I can't do that. I'm a good preacher, but I'm not a great preacher. But I'm a great people person. I love people, love being with people, love serving people. Uh, I value people. Many preachers don't value people. Listen, people are not obstacles in your way. They're opportunities for you. And, and, and leading people is, is not getting them to do what you want them to do. It's allowing them to be the best God could let them be and giving them a vision of what they can become and helping them get there. In, in other words, the people are there. We, we, the people don't exist for us. We exist for them. That's what a that is so relationships, getting to know the people. And uh, now as the church grows, I, I mean, I pastored small churches, and, uh, but I saw them all grow. And uh, by the time, you know, I tell you, small church is harder to pastor in a big church. I mean, someone asked me, said, well, who, who runs the church? You, you, First Baptist Uly. So I said, well, it's kind of like an avalanche. You know, it, it's going to run, you know. Uh, you know, you, you just got to kind of make sure you don't get smothered with it. But in a small church, it's a lot harder. You got a lot more people to please and you got more uh, picking at you. Uh, but relationships is still the answer. Boy, uh, Jimmy, you, you have, uh, over the last few minutes, you have really interwoven uh, these roles of, of pastor and preacher, you know, caring, uh, leading, and feeding people. Uh, today, you're preaching for us in chapel at Southwestern, and I, I think your message today is uh, going to specifically talk about the role of, of the pastor uh, and looking at some of the biblical terms uh, for, for a pastor. Uh, ta- I mean, we'll hear your message later, and our preaching source folks can, can access chapel sermons, all the chapel sermons from Southwestern. But could you talk with us just a few moments about uh, the biblical roles of uh, in terms for the pastor, and and especially, I you know, a lot of pastors these days like to model their ministry on on being a corporate CEO. So specifically, I mean, is sure. that a good model or, is, or no, not? It's uh, not. But I, I, yes, I, I did a series of lectures here at Seminary about five or six years ago, I guess. Uh, the Northcutt uh, uh, Drumright Lectures. And one of the sessions I, I call the scope of ministry, and, and I went through all the names in the New Testament that describe the minister. And there are about 19 or 20 of them. And, uh, but the primary role, of uh, the, the primary assignment for the pastor is a preaching assignment. Now, I know we like to say, no, it's a shepherd. And you're, no, no. Uh, the, your primary role 
is what Paul said to Timothy, preach the word in season, out of season. Your primary role is to be a preacher. Now, it doesn't mean that's your only role. But, but as you're building relationships and ministering to people, it, it will undergird your preaching role, and your preaching role is also a way to help those that you're building relationships with. Uh, but he, here's the thing. Jesus, uh, the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 3, 5, uh, he asked the question, what is Apollos and what is Paul? Church was arguing about the pastors. And, and, he's, and, and he, it's, a, it's a neuter pronoun. It's not who, it's what. And, and my thought is, all right, they knew who he was, but he wanted them to know what he was. And I hear people talk about, I'm, I'm trying to discover who I am. No, you know who you are. you got a name. That's who you are. You may have a title or position. That's who you are. But how do you express your, your, your title? How do you express your, your name? How do you express your ministry? That's what you do. And so Paul says, what, what, what is this person? Well, the first, he answers his own question. It's a rhetorical question. In verse 5 there, 1 Corinthians 3, he, he said, we're servants. Now, the word servant is the word from which we get deacon. Now, it, it, has, it has dual meaning. It, it talks about what you do in serving, and it, it's, it, it's someone who does whatever it takes to fix whatever needs fixing, it, even doing menial jobs. It's not a, it's not a high-dollar job. It's not a, a, a very impressive job. It's just someone who's willing to do whatever it takes. But on the other side of it is that word excludes personal authority and personal interests. In fact, the servant does not exist for himself. He exists for somebody else. And so uh, the very way, and by the way, Jesus in Luke 22, 27 said, I'm among you as one who serves. He chose the same word. I mean, here's the Savior who died for our sins, who said, I am a servant. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Uh, he, even him, and, and Philippians 2 says he didn't think it was, uh, you know, improper for him to, uh, to uh, I mean, he, he couldn't, uh, he humbled himself and, and, uh, and became in the form of a servant. So I think the pastoral role is a servant role, uh, that you're, you're there to, to help people become their very best, to, to, help, to bring the best out in them. It, it's an opportunity for you to be, help them build their, their, every Christian, I think, has a ministry. I think a plumber and a lawyer and a teacher and a doctor and uh, uh, all of these people have, have a ministry of, of being representing Christ in their vocations. And, uh, and, and so it, uh, we just need to get over ourselves. It's not about us. We exist for others. That's the, that's the essence of, of leadership. So a pa the pastor is the leader, and he ought to be out front leading, but he leads by example. And his authority is not his position, but it's his message. Our authority is the Scripture. That's why the battle for the Bible back in the conservative resurgence was absolutely essential because without God's Word, uh, we have no authority. We're not authorities because we're pastors or because we're ministers. We're authorities because of the message we preach, and, and, and it's not us but the message that has the authority. And, and so, uh, you know, our role is to serve people and, and to have a word from God every time we step into the pulpit. That's what God has us do. And then we show that if we want to have a soul-winning church, we need to be soul winners. Uh, they, people will, will pattern their lives after you. They'll pray like you. If you pray our God, they'll pray our God. If you pray our Heavenly Father, they'll pray our Heavenly Father. If you pray Sovereign Lord, they'll pray Sovereign Lord. If you pray uh, uh, Dear Jesus, they'll pray Dear Jesus. They're going to be like you. And so what an incredible opportunity for us to serve people and help them 
come closer to God and realize their, their, their highest potential in, uh, in their relationship with God as their pastor. It's a privilege. And uh, we build relationships with them. We have a word from God. And, and they need us to be that. Every, every church needs a pastor who says, hey, this is what God said. And this is how it applies to your life. Oh, and that's another thing about preaching. Preaching is not just disseminating information. Uh, I've heard some preachers that, are, that just are wonderful preachers. But when you, everybody's going to ask when you get through preaching, so what? What now? And, and you better answer that question. Uh, you don't j- just giving them all the facts uh, and, and uh, the great truth without telling them how it impacts their lives uh, is not, not going to develop them. They'll get a lot of Bible knowledge, but they'll never develop spiritually. So if we tell them, if we preaching that God is holy, we need to also remind them God said, you need to be holy. That's how you apply it. I'm holy and you need to be holy. And, and so uh, the, the preaching is an incredible opportunity, not only to 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 speak the truth, but to apply the truth and help people. Uh, you know, everybody leaves, leaves your sermon, leaves your church on Sunday, ought to know how they can be a better husband or employee or father or whatever uh, that, that applies to them. Mm. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been Dr. Jimmy Draper, uh, 35 years as a pastor, 15 years as president of Lifeway Christian Resources, and still uh, traveling and preaching and helping Southern Baptists wherever they are. Uh, Dr. Draper, thank you so much for being with us on Preaching Source. Well, thank you.